0: Good everyone! Welcome to our home. Uh, what an absolute privilege it is today that wherever we all are, we get to open the Word of God together and ask God, transform my life through your Holy Word. And that's what we're doing today. Um, I might be teaching, but my prayer today is that God individually speaks to you through His Word um, and that we see transformation from it. So, Go and grab your Bible. We're in Luke chapter two today. So while you are getting your Bible, actually grab it and looking it to Luke chapter two. I'll catch you up on where we are at. So last week um, we were reading when baby Jesus was taken to the temple to be dedicated, um, as the Mosaic law insists, and we see this beautiful kind of comparison of opposites. Of he's just this human baby going through the. Um, kind of rituals of what is done in that time, dedicating him. Yet Simeon and Anna are there observing, watching on, and they know this is the Messiah of the world. This is the savior of the world, and he's right here. Um, And then we skip, skip, not squip, skip 12 years in time until we get to the passage we're in today. And we look at the story of Jesus getting lost after Passover. And if this is the first time you've heard this story, let me quickly give you a heads up of what it's about. So it involves Jesus essentially being left behind in Jerusalem. And his parents, Mary and Joseph, um, are looking for him everywhere. And after days, they find him in the temple. And they find him sitting amongst the teachers, learning and asking questions. Um, And they go to him and they're like, what are you up to? Um, What are you doing? We've lost you. And he says, why why would you be searching for me? Of course I'd be here. I'd be in my father's house. And Mary and Joseph don't understand what he means by that. They don't understand him, um, but they take him home and he obediently follows them. And he, he spends the next kind of 18 years, it says, growing in wisdom and favor with the people around him and with God. So as we dive into Luke chapter two, we're going to see that, Jesus takes three different postures. He takes the posture of a learner, the posture of keeping the father's interests and the posture of doing the father's interests, even in the mundane. So before we read, let's pray. Lord, today we want to first thank you for Jesus. We thank you that, this, that your son, fully God and fully man, um, shows us how to live our life and we get to study him and be shaped by him. So, Lord, today, will people not hear my voice? Will people not learn directly from me as Anna? although my words fall away and will people learn from you, Lord? Uh, we love you and we ask you to bless this time, this morning, um, across the city for everyone. Amen. So, Luke 2, and we're at um, verse 41. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. When he, Jesus, was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to custom. So this is something Mary, Joseph, and Jesus would have done every year. So Jesus has probably been to pass the Passover festival probably 12 times because he's 12. And people from everywhere would have been there. It would have been a huge thing. And Passover is the celebration and remembrance of the Israelites being freed from slavery in Egypt. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was with their company, they traveled for a day. Then they began looking for him among their friends and relatives. Okay, this is a bit of a problem. Jesus is lost. And I can imagine losing a child in the cr- in a crowd is horrific. I have flashbacks of the Lost Kids tent at Coca Cola Christmas in the Park in the Auckland Domain. Even just last week at school, um, I'm a teacher, and I was. Had, I was calling reading groups and one kid, I couldn't find them anywhere and I thought, oh, have they not returned after morning tea? Have they done a runner? Have they run home? Are they lost? Are they in the wrong class? I've lost this kid. And then innocently, they just kind of walk out of the teepee in the corner and everything is fine. Disaster, totally averted. And to think of how I was feeling in that moment, and that's firstly not even my own kid, secondly, it's not, It's been a small moment, not a matter of days like Mary and Joseph had. And thirdly, which I think is probably the real cruncher here, is that um, Mary and Joseph actually misplaced the saviour of the world. Imagine feeling that. Imagine um, knowing that that's who you're looking for, the saviour of the world. So that sounds like a bit of a problem to me. Fair enough that they looked everywhere. Now in verse 45, when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Imagine being Mary and Joseph, desperately looking for Jesus everywhere and finding him him in the temple courts. Where would you be found if you were missing? Where would people look for you? What do people know about you that would give you clues, that would give them clues of where to find you. I wonder where Mary and Joseph looked. Um, Were they concerned that Jesus knew Jesus was lost and that he was fretting and maybe worried? They found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. These teachers would have been some of the most knowledgeable people around scriptures and around God's word, considered experts. People would come When people would come to them to be taught, they'd position themselves lowly on the ground at their feet and listen. And this is what they found 12-year-old Jesus doing. Verse 48. Everyone in the temple who heard him was amazed at his answers and his understanding. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And Jesus replies, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying. Jesus is finally found and he's found engaging with these teachers and priests. And not just listening in the crowd, he's asking questions. And the teachers and everyone around them were amazed this 12-year-old boy, a boy who's just coming of age, understands the word of God and these scriptures like no one else. I imagine he would have had insights and understandings that they had never heard before. He would have asked them questions that made them kind of go, wait a minute, does this guy know something we don't? And Mary and Joseph arrive, and by this point, it's been days. They exclaimed Jesus, why did you do this? We've been looking for you everywhere. And to that, Jesus says, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know i had been in my father's house? He doesn't say, oh, whoops, sorry, lost track of the time, didn't realize everybody left. He instead is confused why anyone would question where he was or why anyone would expect him to be somewhere else. This is the first glimpse we have of Jesus knowing exactly who he is. Jesus knows that he's the son of God. In this place, the temple is intrinsically linked to who he is. Mary and Joseph didn't understand, and they were confused by what he said. I wonder at this point how much they truly understood of who their son was. They knew he was going to be saviour of the world, Messiah, Lamb of God. But in real life, real time, everyday decisions, I wonder what their understanding of about this dual nature of Jesus was, being fully man. And fully God. In verse 51, it says, Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all of these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So Jesus gets up, follows them home, and what we know of this next time of his life is that he grows in wisdom and he grows in favor um, with God. And with man, and he grows in reputation with the people around him. I think it's hard reading this passage to not stand in awe of Jesus. This is 12-year-old Jesus found in the temple, learning and listening and asking questions with the teachers and being so convinced of that this is where he needs to be, that this is so related to his identity. We did a series at the end of 2020 called Uncommon and it was all about what does it look like to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus. Jesus did things in an uncommon way and he models a way of life that's different. We focus on how to be uncommon people, share uncommon uncommon love, have uncommon purity, uncommon joy, uncommon unity. And this current series, looking at Jesus' early years, is a continuation of this study. We'll look at how Jesus started his life. What kinds of attributes and traits did he have? What did Jesus focus on? And what did he spend his time doing? And today specifically, we're looking at how does Jesus position himself? We see him take up three clear postures. The posture of a learner, the posture of keeping the father's interests, and the posture of doing the father's interests, even in the mundane. So, for all of us today, what does it mean to take the posture of a learner? If Jesus starts his life by showing his need to learn, I think every single one of us does too. And learn from whatever person or situation God has in front of us. Jesus, who is fully God, is found sitting amongst the teachers learning from them. I wonder what his understanding of the scriptures were like. This is an incredibly humble posture. The teachers were obviously impressed, but I wonder if they had an inkling this was the Messiah, God's son. It says he was listening and asking questions. The humility shown here by Jesus is incredible. When I'm with my kids in class at school, I ask loads of questions, and often the intent isn't because I don't know the answer, it's because I'm invested in them learning. And I wonder if um, this shows a glimpse of Jesus' desire for his people. He asks these questions so that they benefit, so that they have deeper understanding of the scriptures, so that they think about them differently. Asking a question is inherently humble. And Jesus continues this. He asks questions all throughout his ministry. All throughout Jesus' life, we also see the way the Pharisees learn, and we see the way the disciples learn, and we notice humility is a game changer. When we come clothed in humility, expecting to learn from anyone, we do it and we're better for it. When we come with arrogance, with pride, we actually lose out. You might even be sitting here today thinking, oh, I've heard this passage before, or what, are we actually studying Jesus' life again? (laughs) hope you're not thinking that you're actually losing out with that attitude because God can use any experience or anyone to point him to point you towards him again and learning isn't just for the sake of knowledge or intimacy or knowledge or understanding it's for intimacy we learn about the lord and the way he works so we know him better for ourselves we also need to bring that same humility when we approach the word of god it can be easy to sometimes discount Um, bits of the word of God or think is this really authoritative as we approach the word of God in humility we put ourselves in the best position to let it speak to us a disciple takes a posture of a learner to never be the guy or girl in the room who knows the most to never be the guy or the girl in the room um, that doesn't want to listen to what someone has to say because you've heard it all before You've read a book on it. You've listened to a podcast on it. If Jesus fully God positions himself as a learner, I think we all need to too. Secondly, the posture that Jesus takes is that he prioritized being in his father's house. Other translations say he was doing his father's interests or being about his father's business. He says, of course I would be here. Isn't this what you would expect me to be doing? I wonder... Is that what life looks like for you at the moment? And because we're, now that the Holy Spirit has poured out and lives in those who believe in God, each one of us is considered a temple of God. And collectively, when we're together, we are his temple. So being consumed by his interests is the posture Jesus takes. What are his interests? What does it mean to do the interests of the Father? It means to love God, to love others, and to make disciples. So being in the Father's house or doing the interests of the Father involves putting his ways in the driver's seat of our life in in the way that we make our decisions. God desire, God's desire isn't for us to do, do, do more achieve more but to prioritize his interests. It doesn't mean working for a church, quitting a job and going to working for a church or being at the street church buildings at Hania Street or Hobart Street. It means living in a way where loving God, loving others and making disciples is what your life is all about. Disciples are people who get amongst the interests of God and this is uncommon. Sometimes this requires you to make decisions that are uncommon that financially have no benefit, but it's living your life with God's interests at the core. People can look on you and be confused. In this passage, we read, Mary didn't understand what Jesus was up to. Later in the book of Mark, in chapter three, we see Mary and Jesus' brothers confused um, by what Jesus was doing in his ministry. And we see them come in and try and take Jesus away, thinking like, oh man, Jesus has gone too far now. We need to just bring him back. They didn't always understand him. Loving God, loving others and making disciples, essentially getting amongst God's interests is the posture required of us as disciples. And this can be done anywhere. Lastly, we see Jesus follow his parents' home and live the next part of his life as a carpenter. For this to be the saviour of the world, for those years he seemed to have lived a pretty ordinary life. Yet he grew The Bible says he grew in reputation with those around him and he grew in favour with people around him and with God. For this to be the saviour of the world, he modelled a relatively ordinary life. I'm sure there were days that were mundane where he swept the floor of his carpentry shed or made the same thing on repeat. But this time wasn't wasted. He wasn't like, wow, uh when's my big public ministry going to be starting God? This is a bit of a waste of time. He didn't think like that. I I don't think he felt like that. He kept the father's interest no matter where he was because of the results of his life, that he grew in wisdom. He grew in relationship with God. The mundane is not absent of the opportunity to be in the presence of God and in his ministry. I was talking about this with a friend the other day. In reality, a lot of life is actually quite mundane for a lot of us. Maybe we go to work, we come home, we feed children, we study lectures, we eat food, we sleep, we repeat all of that. Um, Maybe you're even eagerly waiting for something. Stuck in the future and overlooking the present. What does it look like to keep the interests of God in the mundane? My friend even called it the ministry of the mundane. What does your ministry of the mundane look like? What does it look like to love God, love others, and make disciples while doing your ordinary life? God can use you. Last week, we had the privilege of sitting around a table with some of the nightlife group leaders, all sharing about when God first became real for us. And something Tom shared really stood out to me. He had this amazing opportunity when he finished school um, to head over to the UK and he worked for a church there as part of the worship team. And he got to do lots of cool things. He got to be part of festivals and experiences where teachers from different parts of the world came and it was all, um, from the outside, it looked awesome. He then came back home because his visa got denied and he started a building apprenticeship, which involved him kind of repetitively digging holes every day from 7.30 till 5 on Dixon Street, digging holes out of a bank so that they could put a house there. And he said, in hindsight, being overseas is where he really learned to love God. But in those holes, digging every day is where he found deep intimacy with God. The father's interests can be done anywhere. Where has God positioned you right now? How can what you're currently doing help you grow? Grow, how can what you're currently doing help you love God, love others, and make disciples, and get amongst whatever God is up to? A disciple makes the Father's interests a priority, no matter where they are. So today we see these three postures Jesus took, and we apply them to to our lives. And my prayer is that even if just one of them That one of them you pivot and have a think about today. The posture of a learner, humbly willing to always learn. The posture of keeping the father's interests, letting his interests be in the decision making seat of your life. And the posture of doing that in the everyday, ordinary, in the mundane. What's one posture you can take on take up today? Do you need to clothe yourself in humility? Listen to others and be ready to learn. Do you need, does your life do you need to make some decisions that might be uncommon because they're in the interests of the Father? They're in the interests of loving God, loving others, and making disciples. Um, or do you kind of need to pivot what your current mundane is so that you're practicing the presence of God and all about His business? I hope today um, the Lord leads you as you read over these scriptures for yourself. Um, And let me pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that um, you teach us through it and you speak to us through it. And today I pray that wherever anyone is, um, Lord, will you speak to them, Father? Will our love for you grow? Will our love for others grow? And will you help us to make disciples? In your name we pray, amen.